0: What does it mean to step into the life God has created specifically for you? How do you lean into the immeasurably more that only He offers? How do God's dreams become your own? My name is Susan McPherson and I am so glad you joined me and some of my friends as we discover how to live a life of meaning and purpose with Jesus at the center. I like to call it living the God girl life. Welcome to the conversation. I am so happy to have my guest here today, Laura Harris-Smith, she I met through uh, our intern at God Girl Nation, Genesis Smith, and I did not um, know how much Laura was doing in ministry and all that she has got going until I really got to know Genesis and kind of looked into what Laura was doing. And I was amazed and just inspired by all that you're doing, Laura. And I just want to share with you, she and her husband are pastoring a church called Eastgate Creative Christian Fellowship here in Nashville. She is the founder of an amazing essential oil company. It's called Neuromatics Oil. She is the host of an amazing TV show called The Three TV Show that I really have enjoyed watching, and she is a mother of six children and a wife of 37 years, and I I told her I think she was a child bride for sure. How old were you, 12?
1: (laughs) I I was joking. I was 18, but you know by today's standards, you're a child at 18. You don't know that you are, but you are.
0: You are exactly exactly. So welcome to the podcast, Laura. I am just thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much.
1: I am. We're gonna have a big time. That's right. Fit it all in.
0: I hope so too. (laughs) And I was telling Laura before we press the record button how much I think of her daughter Genesis, who is our intern. She's amazing, and I think the two of them. I think she is the apple that didn't fall too far from the tree. She is your spitting image. (laughs) I have three daughters. And I
1: always say that uh, Jessica is she and I think a lot alike. So I, you know, we process things exactly the same. Um, My second daughter, Georgie, she and I are, we have the same exact emotional IQ. We feel things 10 times deeper than anybody else. (laughs) And, you know, Genesis and I are, we communicate alike. We work alike. So I always say that Jessica is my mind, Georgie is my heart and Genesis is my mouth. Oh, so I love it. You have it. a conversation with uh any of them. I'm actually in there in all those forms, but Genesis is the one that's going to sound like me. <laughs> and I mean gestures and everything. So it's kind of funny. She gets probably more than any of them she gets told you are just like your mother.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, and uh, that excellent work ethic I see in you, uh, you know, all that you do. in Genesis, I I was telling Laura earlier, my husband just commented the other day. He's he's like, you found a gold mine in Genesis as your intern. And uh, she sure is. So, so I'm just blessed to, to know her and now to get to know you.
1: Thank you. And she is, it's interesting when you have our when you have the family lineup and you know you think about um, the dynamics of birth order and and all of that, ironically, Genesis has a lot of firstborn characteristics, but I think it's because she grew up in a house full of seven um, mostly extroverted. I'd say we've got a couple <laughs> more introverted. Uh, but even then they're leader introverts. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're always out in front. So Genesis, it was either, um, it's kind of like what my mother said about me, help her or get out of the way. And so, so Genesis had to learn to get in the flow of that. And she works very, very well with that. We try to teach all of our children, if you're going to do anything, do it with excellence or just don't do it Mm -hmm. Um, and, and work really hard at it. And when no one else is watching, God is, and if it flops, first of all, if he told you to do it, there was some reason. So you're a success in his eyes. Um, But it's a matter of like, once you install those things in children, the excellence, and then the work ethic, you know, they could do anything in life. They could go flip burgers, and they're going to rise to the top of wherever they are, because they're going to do it well. They're going to be the best burger anywhere. (laughs) I love that. That's so true. It's become what Whatever it is God wants them to be, and they're excellent along the way. And that journey then is not just the destination. It's their journey of fulfilling their calling
0: that is so beautiful to watch. Excellent. Excellent. So speaking of journeys, I would yeah. love for you, that was a perfect segue. I would love for you to share your journey, your faith journey, and sure. how you got to where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Well, I was born into a Christian.
1: home. Oh, I, I I mean, you know, I was going to church before I was even out of the womb (laughs) Uh, and my parents loved the Lord. Um, there was a lot of division in my family. They did break up when I was about five, six. And, uh, and so I did not grow up with my siblings. They remember living with me some when I was really little, but, but I don't remember living with them. And I was also like seven and 10 years behind them. And um, so that's a big
0: span, Laura.
1: Big span. And it's also when they go somewhere else and live, and then you're with your mom and she's having to go to work for the first time and you're growing up in daycare. I mean, yes. and that was not what she wanted. That's not the reality that little small town girl wanted. You know, she grew up on a farm
0: mm. and
1: here she was in the big city and two kids gone, husband gone child at daycare and she's in an office all day long. And so that was kind of our reality. Um, and I was bored a lot. I mean, honestly, I just remember th- like I would go outside. There were no computers and whatever. You know. I was a tomboy. I would go outside and play in the dirt. And we I was the only girl in the neighborhood um, on my side of the there was. Let me put it this way: there were a lot of guys, and somehow I got. I wound up getting like to play outside with them, and that's the only time in my life. Like we'd go down and you know catch snakes and crawdads. And whatever. <laughs> I only love it. I could ever find me outside? I'm good now. Just I take my vitamin D supplements and stay out of the sun. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm setting the stage for you for what I now see when people ask me today. Since some of my books that I write do all of them include in there how to hear the Lord's voice, because I think that's the birthright of every believer. And when they say to me, how did you learn to hear the Lord's voice? I say, I was lonely. Like I had nobody else. And even then it wasn't, Oh God, I need a friend. It was just, I am bored. And same answer when they say, where did you learn to write? I'm like, well, I was bored. (laughs) And so I started writing poetry when I was in third grade and I won a little 4-H Contest of all things, I wrote a poem about Watergate. Uh, did you? Free Network World, and so whatever your parents was watching, were watching. That's what you had to sit on and watch, and that's what just came out of me, and I won this contest. So when I was very Interesting. young, I saw the makings of my future, which was that I would always have one foot in ministry and one foot in media. Um, When I was five, I did my very first television. No, excuse me. When I was three, I did my very first television commercial. My parents owned a restaurant. I don't remember it. That was their decision. I sold, it was a chicken restaurant. So I'm sure I was selling something. Um, I love that. Very early in life. I was, you know, full sentences when I was 18 months old. So everybody knew, okay, she's going to talk. She's going to do something and talk when she gets older. (laughs) We don't know what. But the bottom line was that environment, even though there was the division and the divorce, God was always who I was taught was the answer to everything. So at 10 years of age, um, one Sunday when we were not in church, weekends became some some weekends became just my mom was exhausted. And I look back now and although she would never do it now. That was a part of her journey. Then we were out of church for a little bit or some Sundays. And I was sitting there watching, uh, of all things, uh, Jimmy Swagger. He was an old televangelist. And he I still remember him. But he was doing it back in the 70s. And I mean, he has on television show. And, and I'm sitting there one Sunday morning watching him, little 10-year-old girl. And I start to just weep when he's playing his piano. So I get out my notebook paper and I write him a letter. And I say, I cried when you sang your songs and, you know, God bless you, whatever I said. And he wrote me back and he said, you know, Laura, that wasn't my music making you cry. That was the Holy Spirit. And he's drawing you to himself. Well, I'd heard my whole life about God and I thought Jesus was pretty cool, but I, nobody was ever talking to me about the Holy Spirit. So suddenly I thought, OK, I've heard of him. He's not just some neglected member of the Trinity. Like he he is responsible for our, even our emotions Um, to suppress those in in religion. You know, come on. I mean, if, if there's something that moves you, the Holy Spirit's usually involved. That's right. So anyway, he said, the, the Holy Spirit is drawing you unto himself. And I walked an aisle like that next Sunday. And then my stepfather came into my life and he he just went to be with the Lord, uh, about eight weeks ago, maybe not. Um, and he was, oh my goodness. He was one of Billy Graham's first DJs. He helped Pat Robertson start CBN. Really? Oh I my in- gosh. This is your stepfather? Father. So, so I see where even that, even God bringing this media man into my life right. that loved the Lord so much. He started the television ministry. Get this, Susan. He started the television ministry at Two Rivers Baptist Church here in Nashville uh, back in the 70s. So they were newlyweds, he and my mom. And here's here's what I would have to do. Every Sunday afternoon, to my chagrin, okay, we would I'd go to church, get the service, and he would put it on a tape, gather all the footage, and we'd go down to channel five and I would sit there like this. And I spent every Sunday afternoon <laughs> in, a TV ministry, in a TV studio thinking, why am I stuck at this stupid TV station? But I was bit there. I mean, the most antiquated oh, editing tools and whatnot. Um, and, you know, it, it, I see in retrospect now what God did. He put me, I mean, I was in a television station every single week of my life growing up and already had that. That talking thing, you know, in the commercial when I was young, I was in school uh, doing theater, all the while growing in my relationship with the Lord. And so when I am asked about my faith journey, God really revealed, I say unveiled Himself to me at the same time as He did my calling, my talents, my giftings. And I think if we're really discipling people correctly, we should tell them to expect the closer you get to the Lord, the more you'll figure out about yourself. Amen. Yeah, and and especially, I think all of us are creative in some way because we serve a creative God. And the closer you are to the creator, you're going to figure out, even even my friends who say they're in the administrative arts, you know, they're (laughs) accounting or whatever, and they're funding God's work or they're (laughs) serving at the church in some financial capacity. Um, I do believe that, if that if you can look at your faith journey, when you found him as being when you begin to really find yourself, right. it's much more appealing form of evangelism, first of all. And then second of all, it's just it's just the way that it's the grid in which I view things through uh, that if we want to really know about ourselves, we have to be known by the one and know the one who created us. He's the only one that knows what we were put here to do. So I basically just, I was the the kid in school who was holding little Bible studies for the kids whose parents wouldn't take them to church because I had a heart for that. There is a woman who is at our church now, Julie Elliott. She has been with me since we were in seventh grade. She was one of those, one of my kids, you know, (laughs) my kids. I was only like a year older than her, but um, and we're still knocking around together because we have been in the Word of God together now for over forty years. And I am just amazed when I look at like um, how God will take the hard things. My house was too quiet. I was lonely. I missed my family. I never said out loud, "God, I want a big bustling family and a loud household." <laughs> but He gave me that and right. he gave me six kids and if I don't do another thing, if I hadn't done any of the things I've gotten to do, but I was able to stay married and have a family, you can understand given what I've told you just so far, right. that to me is a huge milestone in my family where we are, I believe the only people in all, both sides of our families that have never divorced, um, either that, or they married like they were so afraid of marriage. They married like in their fifties. They were, you know, a
0: lot of, lot
1: of dysfunction on both oh. sides of So I'm very grateful. I'm oh very my gosh. grateful. Laura,
0: the way that you explain getting to know the one and then knowing yourself, uh, that is really amazing to me. I've never heard anyone put it that way. And I hope all of you listening, take that to heart. Um, and God gives us the desires of our heart. So he's just reaching in there and and you can just, by your story, you can see how he was doing that. And so we need to follow that and to know the Holy Spirit. Really. I Like you said, it's, you know, uh, we don't want him to be the forgotten one of the Holy Trinity. That's where the fruit comes from, the fruit of the Spirit. I know. And. He,
1: he, if I can say it this way, he keeps us out of trouble because the Holy Spirit's main job, although I love the, the power gifts of the Holy Spirit. I love right. teaching about those. I love flowing with those. Listen, trust me. I love everything about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but his main job is to make us holy. So like come. if you say, oh, she has such a loving spirit. That means they're loving. Oh, she has such a kind spirit. They're kind. The Holy Spirit's main job is to make you holy. And when you're holy, this affects everything in your life. It affects what you read. It affects what's on your playlist. It affects what's in your refrigerator. It affects what happens in your bedroom. It affects what affects what happens at work. And and none of it happens because of rules. Those changes those changes happen internally first. Holiness starts inside. Otherwise it's legalism. Um, and so suddenly you wake up one day and you're this person that like you know, your life has been rid. It's been free from a lot of the drama that comes with making bad decisions. I, right. I really think one of the greatest strategies, and it's been successful, of the enemy is to get the Holy Spirit out of our churches. Because if we can just stop learning about the Holy Spirit, we'll quit hearing the Lord's voice as well. We'll start making bad decisions. We won't turn to the right things or listen to the right things or whatever. You know, the list is endless. Yeah, he can't be the most neglected member of the Trinity.
0: You are preaching it today. I I just want to do a (laughs) holy high five. (laughs) Yeah. That is just beautiful. Oh my gosh. I I sincerely have goosebumps. That is outstanding. Um, So I hope you all are soaking it in because she is speaking some truth today. (laughs) So I want you to share with everyone what you are up to these days. So many fun things and how you um, started. Let's start with your business with the essential oil business. So tell me about that. Well, I just have to give
1: God praise again there too. I did not mm-hmm. just sit down and go, Hey, I'm going to, I'm into essential oils. I'm going to start. <laughs> this is how Jehovah sneaky works with me. So uh, <laughs> when I was 13 years old, it was right around the time I started these little Bible studies for, you know, kids that, uh, whose parents weren't taking them to church. And I don't know, I guess I wanted poster went up in hell with my face on it or something. I started experiencing spiritual warfare at a level that, um, well, and nobody taught me what that was. I didn't know what it was. I grew up, uh, in a denomination that really blessed me with teachings of like the sovereignty of God. He's always in control that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they didn't explain to me how sometimes you have to many times you have to enforce the will of God because the enemy is trying to, you know, steal from you all day long. So, Basically what happened was at 13, um, I started developing, um, well, I was diagnosed with petty mall epilepsy and I
0: was having these small seizures. My that, mom has that Laura. Really? I'm very familiar with it. Yes.
1: Well, so this was how the whole thing started was that I was just suddenly, um, you know, like I was having just short absence spells and like mm-hmm. I call them spells, but um, coming in and out of consciousness and really bad. If you're on stage or in television or any kind of communicating, you know, um, you just kind of go in and out like that. And so I guess because of all the acting lessons, because of everything, like I was, I was able to fool a lot of people. Nobody knew it was happening. I was on live television for years, like nothing just, but I knew, and it was very, uh, frustrating, especially as the years went on and they developed into full-blown convulsions. Did they? And, and yes. And, uh, and I had like over 80, I was unconscious for hours. They were very violent. I would stop bleed. I would stop breathing to my tongue. I mean, bleed, How you scary. know, the, the oh. were very, very violent. Um, so this now catapults me into a whole <laughs> new season of my life called uh, seek the healing scriptures or die. So you're desperate enough to believe anything that's in God's word. <laughs> it's no longer a matter. Hmm. Do I doctrinally believe this or not? It's like, if I see it in there. I'm going for it. Right. So, I mean, I just became a prayer machine, a faith machine. And you get to the point, I'm sure you have done this too. And if you're listening, I, I, I really hope you'll be encouraged by this. You get to the point where in your prayer life, where you pray and something doesn't happen, or in my case, things were getting worse as I was really pressing in and praying. Um, And you have to decide. I either believe everything that's in the Bible or I believe none of it. Right. So one day I sat down and I I made a choice. I said, okay, I'm not walking out of this room until I'm either an atheist or I'm going to believe everything that's in it. And I don't care what it costs me. I don't care who it costs me. I don't care how foolish I look. I don't care how long I have to wait. I don't care if I understand it or don't understand it. I'm either going to be a Christian or I'm going to be an atheist. And I'm I'm not I'm not going to try to pretend both or you know, a lot of people do. They go through life and they're just like, oh, well, I'll just kind of do this and keep my unbelief to myself the devil is smarter than that. I mean, he knows, and he knows all the buttons to push he them. Does. That's why your life is so riddled with warfare. And so I made the choice as you can probably guess to <laughs> believe it all. <laughs> and, and the minute I did that, um, amazing things happen. First of all, yes, the, the warfare got even more intense because I see now something that I didn't see then. And I'm a huge poetry writer. And I go back and read the poetry then and I'm like, that woman thought she was going to die like Mm -hmm. the next day. You know, I know so much more than she did then. (laughs) Um, But if I could go back and talk to the then me, I would say things like the enemy is scared of you. Like he does not know where you're headed. You don't even know where you're headed. God is going to give you a platform and the enemy is just trying as hard as he can to keep you from seeing it. Cause once you see it, you won't turn back Right, and you'll get your hammer out and one plank and nail at a time, you'll start building this platform. And this is just part of it. This trial is just one plank. And, uh, so I know we're talking about the oil business. Here's what I had to do. I had to start in my prayer praying, because remember I'd made this vow. I'm going to pray it. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to believe God for healing. He says from Genesis to revelation, he is not just, going to heal he says he Jehovah Rapha he is the healer healer exactly. this is forget to do it's his name mm-hmm. so I'm, okay then so as I wait I still have to stay alive so if that's the way we're doing this then I am going to believe like it's all up to God and I'm gonna study and find out about nutrition keep in mind I wasn't a nutritionist then I wasn't a I'm three about three weeks away from being a naturopathic doctor. Now this was nowhere on my radar. Then this is how it all started. Wow. So I start studying nutrition, just basic brain stuff, really just how to stop seizures. How to, you know, Um, they had had me on so much medication. I was sedated. I couldn't talk right. I was going cross-eyed like that wasn't going to work. Oh boy. And I'm skipping ahead, ahead, ahead. But then the same thing with essential oils. Maybe I can look into essential oils. Mm-hmm. So all to say, you know, kind of spoiler alert, but you see where I wound up, which is I finally just one day went, well, I'm doing all this studying, you know, maybe I need to do something with it. And I'm learning, I'm helping other people. Mm-hmm. Um. So I will tell you, I'm going to skip to this part since you specifically asked about the oil. I basically just one day I was having a conversation with my son and he said, you know, I put one drop of um, this particular oil on my big toe at night and it puts me to sleep. And I'm thinking you are, you have babies in your house and you're sleep deprived. That's why you fall asleep that bad one <laughs> drop on a toe is going to put you to sleep but it really nagged me. I thought, what is, what could be so power? I'd never found an essential oil that did that for me. Um, I, I didn't really know about oil blends. I just was like, I'll try this oil. It didn't take my headache away. Okay. So people stopped and said, well, essential oils don't work. So I asked him about that oil and I looked into it and I thought I'm going to research and find out what's so special about that oil. And as it turned out, it was comprised of 98% of a, a compound, um, called sesquiterpenoids and sesquiterpenoids actually are able to cross the blood brain barrier. So I thought, and and not all essential oils can do that. These, the molecules are so tiny and therefore they are the most aromatic oils. They are the ones that are going to cross the blood brain barrier. So I thought, what if um, I could find ones, all the essential oils that are good for the brain, not that are good for the kidneys or, you know, the Heart or whatever, there's all kinds of different organ specific essential oils. But what if I could find the ones that are good for the brain and from those rule out everything that's not a sesquiterpenoid rich oil? Find just those, make a blend out of just this. This is how it, what I was just thinking about me. So interesting, right? I just for me and my son in law, who had come back from Iraq after two deployments, a sergeant, um, and he had. Horrible PTSD. He was oh. waking up night packing his gun and I mean it was just awful. So I literally, I was just trying to help me and my son-in-law. And um, and I I created it, and I'm gonna tell you, I first of all, the oils were very, very expensive. These eight oils. It's like you get the most expensive ones, Laura. <laughs> but I bought them. It took me a while to save up. I bought these eight little bottles and I put them on the counter one night. I used to get them out and like, like arrange them and I'd take a couple of pictures and then I I didn't know what to do with them and I'd put them back in the box. And, I'd put them back. and so one day I just said, Lord, I think this is you. I You're going to have to give me the recipe. For this. I can't even bake a cake with a recipe. So you <laughs> have to give me the recipe for this thing. One night all the children were gone and they were teens anyway. Um They were either I think Genesis was the youngest. So she would have been probably 16 at the time. Okay. And so, like the two above her were still living here. All three of them were living here, but they were youth leaders and she was like in the youth department. So they were all gone that night. It was like a youth night. My husband was out in his office out in a different part of the house. And I just put on some worship music. got the bottles out again, took a few more pictures, you know, and <laughs> try to make a moment out of it. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to worship. So I started to worship. And I started thinking about all the years of just the suffering and right. all the convulsions, all the accumulated time of unconsciousness that I wish I had back uh, all the things I felt like it had cost me, even though I'd pushed through and press through. It's like just, you know, I was half mad, half determined. And I just wondered what the Lord was doing, I began to worship him and thank him. And then the recipe just started coming. And literally just with my phone, I just sat there and just kind of, notes, five drops here, 10 drops here. And before I knew it, I had, you know, the first little bottle made wow. and I was weeping and I went running out into the office. And my husband told me later that he thought something had happened to one of the children. Cause I was incoherent, you know, bawling. And I said, the Lord told me that we're supposed to pray over this for it to be transformed into an anointing oil. I don't know what's happening. I didn't even have a name for it yet. I was like, something's oh. happening. I don't know. And um, so we did. We prayed over it, and then and that and it was a rollerball bottle. But I'm gonna tell you, this was this is one of the dropper bottles. So it's called Quiet Brain. Quiet Brain was born that night. I believe it was four years ago now. Wow. And um, and immediately the Lord told me, like I I wanted to enjoy it all myself, and He said, break it down into a uh, ten different batches. And make a case study. I had to download all the FDA forms on how to do a case study, you know. And, and we, I mean, we just put it out there. And the testimony started rolling in. And I mean, help with everything from um, migraines and anxiety and insomnia are our biggest testimonies. Um, my own busy brain, the seizures, totally stops convulsion. Uh, let, me, let me put it this way. The testimony that, we, that we're coming back were it stops my son's convulsions like when he's having them. Those kinds of real dramatic testimony. Oh, yes. And I wasn't expecting. Uh, my son-in-law said it turned off his PTSD. He said, I did not know how, lo- how bad it had gotten over the years until this turned it off. Um, he said, I now have drops of like thoughts that are like drops of water, like linear instead of all the static I used to have before. Right. This was what was coming in and he said mom you've got to you've got to protect this in some way so the lord told us to trademark the name and i was like okay that's that's good enough the lord said no you got to get it patented and i i was like well lord i can't afford a twenty thousand dollar patent no to kidding. And so he you know it can because it can be upwards of that mm-hmm. and then, um and susan he helped me write the patent i don't i i mean i'm a writer but that's not, that's German, that's Russian or something. Exactly. Totally different beast. I did right. not know how to do it. I'm not kidding. Uh, but somehow the Lord helped me to do it and we got it patented. And when we got it patented, um, we then did our infomercial and went to television. And, and I should just say that even just in the stages back when I was just I was just making little bottles of it and taking orders. We didn't even, we hardly had labels. You know, that's the difference in a, like a a hobby and a small business is a good label. Right. (laughs) That's true. And um, I just, like I had done $30,000 from the kitchen table. I couldn't believe it. And then building and building and building. And last December, uh, our business hit the million dollar mark. That's amazing. And all from, here's the thing is that God never wastes our pain. That's right. That's what I keep telling my children is that he, Mm -hmm. I mean, our suffering pays off. And so, so the fact is that every bottle that we, you know, wrap and roll and, and send out from our, because now we have like, I guess, eight or nine employees, every bottle that we see go out of here. And by the way. Still happens in an environment made in total silence. We just worship music going. We pray over every batch. Um, It's a family run. We have several family members working for us now and some others that we've brought on board. And, you know, everyone, I feel like, just gives the devil a black eye. First of all, that I'm not dead. Second of all, we've got testimonies coming in from all over the world. Um, And then, you know, that right there just becomes... You think, well, gosh, why why would you need something to be that successful? Well, the reason not just to help others, but the reason is that this oil business came along right at the time when we were trying to launch a television show. And so God provided in some very dramatic ways, <laughs> but our commercials for the television show, every single one of them, are it's it's brought to you by Neuromatics Oil. We there you go we sponsor our own show. The oil does, um, and so yeah, we're not rolling in the big bucks, but I'm—we've got our dream of you know the television show, and um, and it's all just self-sustaining, based on just the fact that I got in scripture one day and decided, all right, I'm either going to, you know, be an atheist and not believe in any of this and just walk away, or I'm going to trust God and His plan and His timing for whatever. Right doing. And now I'm healthier than I've ever been. I, I, I'm 55. I honestly, I feel like I'm in my twenties. I really do. That's fabulous. I look back at everything that the way that God decided to do it, his, his plan for this whole thing. And what a blessing, um, what a blessing it is, As if we will wait on God and his timing. And I just, I just feel like if anything, my life is a story of Trust God, trust his timing. It will be more than you can
0: ask or imagine. He means that's it. So true. It. He and means that's that. That's yeah. what I'm living right now. Well, and, and really just leaning into him and everything. And, you know, it's that still small voice that you're listening for and, and the Holy Spirit nudging is what I call it. Um, and then your, your willingness to step out in faith, even when it's scary even when you're not sure where it's going. So um, I hope everyone is encouraged by that. I know I am. It's wonderful. Well, tell us about your church.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Eastgate was started, let's see, 16 years ago. We were just members. Yeah, we were members at another church. And uh, the short positive version of that story (laughs) is that that pastor took a long, hard, moral fall. And, um, you know, we had, my husband and I had both been ordained there, but not as pastors. And my husband was an elder and I was, you know, just a teacher there. And um, I was writing books and so forth, but our, our, our focus was not local house ministry. And I was traveling some and whatnot But we and our home was the one that always that people always came to or we were in others homes. And when this thing happened with this pastor, um, we were the ones going on tour in the congregation, like trying to, you know, just bandage people's wounds. Right. And it got to the point to where we realized one day, you know, we're the ones that smell like the sheep, like we we love these people like we would choose this life, even bandaging other people's wounds over the life of just success in business or all these other things that we could have done and did and had done. Um, my husband was in business for decades. He was in the music industry, the business in the music industry for years. Um, and so we just woke up one day and went, man, we love people. This is just the way to do life, you know, and I can't explain uh, the pastoral calling, it kind of makes no sense. You're not going to make the big bucks in it. If you do, the press is going to crucify you for it. (laughs) No, I'm kidding.
0: That's the
1: truth. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, um, it's just really a matter of, you know, our church, it was, there were people who really wanted to stay together. The church was falling apart. And uh, mm. got down to 18 people. We lost 266 people in one summer. Mm. Uh, and my husband and I will just, would just, you know, love on these people one at a time. And um, one day the leaders, the apostolic leaders of that church, as it was going under, came to my husband and me and they said, you know, if you'll start something, we, we will cover it. And we literally went us. Like we did not go to seminary for this. We both studied, uh, religion in college at Bible colleges, but it wasn't, we weren't going into ministry, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we, we basically just, I don't know, inherited, uh, these people and it started in our living room. And so it was a home birth, as we say, Eastgate was a home birth. Um, And before long, you know, we, we couldn't fit all the kids upstairs. That's really what got us out of the house after like the first month Uh, we had to start looking at locations and transient for a lot of years in terms of like at the YMCA or down in (laughs) this basement, this, you know, Donaldson Plaza, we were there for a long time. And only in the last year have we kept, have we, are we like up and out on a street where people can find us? So, (laughs) it was, you know, we were just, Um, I don't know how to describe it, but Eastgate has these 16 years of our 36 married have been some of the sweetest because I think there's, I just think there's a special blessing in heaven for shepherds. I'm not kidding you. They're a, they're a different breed and, um, You know, I am thankful every day that we get to walk and do life with these people at Eastgate, although it seems busy with everything else that we do. It's actually the opposite because we have an army around us praying for us, um, anything we need you know, something breaks or a computer breaks down or, or somebody gets sick in our household or anything like that. Like there's an army right there, ready to take care of us, pray for us, bring us something. Uh, again, Jehovah sneaky, who would ever set their life up to where you'd be doing all of these things at the same time. But to (laughs) me, they are all spokes on the same wheel, right, moving us in the same direction. So I'm, I'm really happy for my fifth cure life. (laughs) I
0: love it. I love it. Well, and I I really want to make sure everyone checks out the three, your TV show. Um, I bet that's been an interesting journey. How many seasons do you have now? So um, we have five seasons and that's, we're in our fifth season now. Okay.
1: So like uh, a season is, is something like anywhere from 15 to 18 shows. And my administrative self would love that to be the same number each time. But sometimes it's just a matter of who's there to interview um, studio time, editing network demands and deadlines. And so you call something a season and you only had 18 new episodes back that mm-hmm. you go into the, what we call the ministry of reruns, <laughs> you know, hoping that somebody you didn't catch on the first time around can, can come back. Uh, but, you know, before we were, about to go on air here, I was telling you how I even for the first time was able to do the show. And the interesting thing was that I had wanted to for years because by now, let's say I've been in television for 52 years. And so I I wound up in sales TV at Shop at Home Television Network back in the, um, I guess it was two, like early 2000s. And they closed their doors in Nashville in 2006. Well, so I was always just used to that lifestyle. And I knew I could have put a show together in my sleep. No kidding. <laughs> literally, literally, like just, okay, oh, you help and hey, can you? and? But the issue was that it costs so much money. And I did right. not want a Christian television show with a shower curtain and a gold plant, you know, a gold-plated plant. <laughs> and a, and a piece of purple cloth. And exactly. I've I seen those. That. I like, <laughs> we, we don't want to watch teachers. those. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what, that has nothing to do with that person's anointing. I'm sure yeah. they are very good teachers. It, it was more <laughs> a matter of, I wanted something, well, bigger. Right. I had a live studio audience. I wanted a band. I wanted, you know, um, um, the feel of like the tonight show kind of a thing. And so, so I had this, you know, idea I really felt like, and can I just say also that so it's, I've made no bones about the fact that the Holy Spirit is my best friend. I love his voice. I love it when he speaks through others. I love it when he speaks through you to others. And so God began to make it very clear to us. It was time for us to start pursuing this, but we still didn't have the money, but he's like, get it, get it in motion, start dreaming. And I won't go into all the ways that I knew in all the prophetic words that came, but they were very dramatic and out of left field. So I knew we were getting close. Right. Right. I this idea. this whole issue of money. How are we going to do it? Um, and I just by faith set up an appointment with a local studio just to go see how much it would cost to shoot a high quality production show like that. And I'm envisioning us going in every week and doing an episode a week or whatever. So we go in and we take the tour and they give us the, invoice. And it's like, I'm in sticker shock. It was $58,000. I was like, what are you? What? 58,000. 58, I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously not hearing God. Cause I don't know how he's going to do this. And, <laughs> uh, and then as we're standing there, the, the guy that one of the producers says, uh, you know, I'm just going to tell you, um, a lot of people come in here cause you know, cause we're making you rent it for the week. You'll have it for the week. And they knock out a whole season." In a week, and then I saw it, and I thought, "I can do that. I can right. knock a whole season." And and I started doing the numbers in my head, but I'm still thinking, "Who had fifty eight thousand dollars? Who has fifty eight thousand dollars?" So, um, so I get home. This is how we knew that we knew that we knew it was God. <laughs> I get home. And I got a call from, um, I'm trying to be discreet here, but I got a call from a publisher about a multi book offer. Okay. And they said that they wanted to give me a certain amount of money up front. Right. um, And they said, um, so we want to give you 60 grand, but we want you to hold back $2,000 for a new website. And I'm thinking 60 minus two. (laughs) A <laughs> lot like that fifty-eight thousand yeah. dollars. <laughs> that is and, confirmation. But here's my husband and me. See, keep in mind, you're supposed to live on that money for like the next how right. many years? Oh, yes, so, I'm in publishing. I totally get it. You know, so this wasn't. <laughs> and 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 the other thing is that um, that's not. So I had only had a couple of really good books under my belt with this publishing company. I'm shocked they took that big of a chance on me and gave me that big of an advance. But it was because it was because of the Lord. The Lord just brainwashed all of us into doing this. (laughs) We couldn't ignore that number. We didn't even for a minute go, well, how are we going to live when we do that? We just knew it was God. And sure enough, we got in there. We were able to um, pay for the production. But then you have to keep in mind that then like the next time, like the next season, I'm saying he didn't provide that that wasn't going to be there because I was now writing the books that I had told them I would write back, you know, a year ago. Right. And uh, so basically what happened was right about that time we were starting Quiet Brain. This is now three years ago. So Quiet Brain had moved from the kitchen table into the we were finding alternative space. I was going through the patenting process. We were trying to do an infomercial. It was all building and building and building. And then, um, one morning I have this waking dream and that's a whole other aspect. I've written dreams on uh, books on dreams and visions, because I firmly believe that God still communicates through them the way he did in scripture. Oh my goodness. Right. He, right. he just tuck us in at night and go minister to people in other time zones. Like he is with us. Yeah. You, you know, yay. Always. I am with you. Always. 20 so this Waking dream. And in it, I'm standing in a tent. And I say to someone stands in a big, huge tent, you know, widespread, I can see the tent pegs holding it down. And I said uh, to the person standing with me, we used to be in the tent peg business. Now we're in the tent pole business. And I wake up. Means hmm. absolutely nothing for about a good 10 minutes. I think it's a pizza dream. And then, um, but then I realized I don't believe in pizza dreams. And so <laughs> I am quickly studying, like I'm on a website, on a tent, pole, pit, tent building website or tent renting website. I'm trying to say, Lord, what are you saying through these symbols? I know what a tent peg ministry is like Paul, the apostle Paul, you know, he had a side business. That helped him with ministry. I get that. But what is a tent pole? What are we in the tent pole business for? Even Susan, all of my decades in the entertainment industry, I did not know, found it right on Wikipedia. Tent pole is a term used in the entertainment industry to describe a business that helps support either a television show or a movie that's being made. Oh, you're kidding. No. And so I knew right then okay, this oil company. Is our tent pole that holds up this whole thing we're doing now, which is which is the television show? I'm we're believing God to own a television network one day. I believe the world is in a prime position right now for the emergence of some new media.
0: I do too, Laura. Bring own- it
1: on! I'm I'm just convinced that the convinced. What on the fake media is the false prophet. I am so excited to be in media these days and see where God's taking those of us who are, who are, you know, have a front row seat to this thing. But so I just began to ask the Lord, then you're going to have to, I mean, help us keep it afloat. So, so basically we've got this thriving oil company. And it costs a lot to put these shows on. So, so our lifestyle hasn't changed. We don't have a bigger house. We still bought, we still have the same old used car, you know, (laughs) we're not rolling in it, but we're living the dream and we're reaching the world. And so I'm happy as a lark. Uh, I do wish for bigger and better things. I want to have more impact, you know, but everything plays a, a part in that. Even the employees that work for us that are not family, they go to our church. So, even that strategically, just thinking like a businesswoman here, okay, then their tithes then go back into and bless the ministry. And so we have this life, this tri-vocational life that is so designed by God, I would have been exhausted to dream it up, but it all feeds the other, exactly. it all each other. Um, and it's, it's working. There are some days when I am absolutely exhausted and I have to remind mm-hmm. myself, this is what I longed for when I was that girl in a quiet, boring house, Um, missed everybody, you know, and now I've got this big bustling family and life and business and I feel healthy and young. And I just want my message to people, anybody who will sit in and listen to me is if you will trust God and do it his way, do your life his way. Okay. Lean not into your own understanding. That's right. Trust him in all your ways acknowledge and he will make your path straight he will it'll avoid you avoid doing all this in life right people make a beeline to
0: right. your future,
1: and I just feel like I'm living that so you I am so are. grateful so grateful first of all to be alive but second of all to just be able to do all the things that I'm able to do on a brain that has been so unconscious so many times um
0: it shouldn't even be talking to you right now It's incredible your story's incredible incredible and so inspiring. I love, okay. You have a video and I think it's on your homepage and I, I was watching it and I love what you said. And you talked about your employees are part of the family. You said God had a son, but what he wanted was a family. Yes. So he sent Jesus to come and get us. Mm-hmm. And you want to bring everyone into that family. And yes. I just love that. It, I am. The first time
1: those words came out of my mouth, I thought that is from him. That's from the Lord. And, you know, he had a family in the sense that the Jews are his chosen people. I'm a huge lover of Israel. I'm a huge proponent and supporter. Me too. don't mean to diminish that at all, that he didn't have a family. But I'm talking about how, you know, even they, through the Holy Spirit, through faith, they come into the fullness of his plan we are merely grafted into that. And he wanted that big family. Uh, and he had to come to earth. He had to send his son to earth to accomplish it.
0: Right. And
1: gosh, I am, I'm grateful every single day of my life that I'm part of that family.
0: Me and then I can meet
1: people like you. And it's like instant sisterhood. Exactly. Instant sisterhood. You meet somebody on the side of the road. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was almost in a wreck recently and and got the oh, car over the side of the road and my tire had blown and all this stuff. This guy pulls over and before long, like I knew from looking in his eyes, he was a believer. I could tell it. God had sent him to my rescue and he's sitting there. And before I'm like, I feel like I know this guy my whole life, (laughs) all because we share the Holy Spirit. Right. We have the same spirit. We have our father's DNA in us. And I know. And so he looked. I'm like, you look like my dad, you know, mm-hmm. like we must be family. That's and right. That's the amazing thing about Christianity. It is not a religion. You need to run from anybody who tells you it is. It is a relationship with the living right. God. And that analogy uh, of father and child has I mean, you can get so much mileage out of it because of the fact that he, he loves us as a father, but he disciplines us as a father, guides us as a father. Um, and you know, so I, I think in there, you also see why the enemy has come after the nuclear family so much, because if he can, if he can cripple our concept of father, Mm -hmm. so many have father, uh, Wounds if you're listening right now, even and you have like you just feel like your God, your it's really your dad filter is clogged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's don't a good way to describe it, yeah, to a heavenly father. Um, I just have people who tell me that all the time. They're like, I'm cool with Jesus, I get the concept of why he did what he did, but this whole Abba father thing, like, I don't know why I need a father, why do I need a heavenly father? um and then I just speak over you, whatever it is that, that, that sullied that in your life, your need for a father, your need for someone to guide you, your need to not control your own life, that whatever it is that, that happened in your life that got you to that point where you feel like you need to be the one in control of your life. It's probably a, a parent wounding. And, and I just speak healing over you mm-hmm. right now and, um, in the name of Jesus, that you would press into him more than ever and yes. really, really get to know him as your father, right. because he loves you like you are his daughter. Or That's his right. That's right. Beautiful.
0: Laura, this has been so much fun. I, I love to end my interview with a couple of questions that are just get to know Laura better questions. <laughs> so I didn't give them to you ahead of time because I, I like to just kind of toss We're them out the- there and yeah. <laughs> so the first one I like to ask is what is your favorite movie? Oh my God.
1: <laughs> are you a movie person? Oh, we, oh yeah. I we love are movies. So my favorite, uh, Oh, I have different categories. I like, get so hard. I know. You can give me a couple. if you. Okay. Want to... My very favorite movies are going to include a little bit of history okay. and, um, and a great love plot. So a little bit of truth with a little bit of, you know, mixed love plot in there. Okay. Um, so Last of the Mohicans is my all time favorite sit down movie uh, because, you know, you've got this the prim and proper girl winds up packing a pistol in her petticoat by the end of the movie. Like, that's, that's kind of a I really relate to those kinds of heroines. Um, and then my favorite rock opera is Jesus Christ Superstar. I heard uh, just how controversial it was and don't ever watch it. Listen, if you'll sit down and watch it with your God lens on, you know, and and look at the genius behind that entire story and what God did, I, I really think through non-believers who wrote that yes. film, uh, it's, phenomenal but then comedies we are huge bill murray fans we love oh, groundhog day yes. and you know that's that one was uh uh that's heavy rotation this last week um what about bob
0: have you What about
1: Bob? Is <laughs> a one. oh we so we, we are big movie quote fans so, oh really yes so you sit around our our table and like if you're a guest you're gonna hear all these movies you're gonna hear all these sentences that have hardly they seem kind of one off from what you're actually talking about it's because doing movie quotes gotcha visitors think we're crazy <laughs> but yes like anytime we have let's say you know mashed potatoes somebody at the table will go about Bob. you know he's eating her mashed potatoes anyway what? so those are, those are uh in fact movie night is that's like a Sunday night. We have done that at our house for decades. And now that all of the children are moved out, our favorite, um, our favorite times are when they just crash and come over and we still plan movie nights on Sunday. Oh, that's awesome.
0: I, <laughs> I love it. Okay. What is your favorite morning beverage? Hmm. I'm a coffee girl all the way.
1: Yeah, I, um, I do like coffee, but I'll just tell you this. I made something this morning that I think is my new, I can't even believe you're asking me this. I think it's my new (laughs) beverage. First of all, we, we juice, we try to juice every single morning, but I'm not counting that. That feels like almost salad in a glass. Um, (laughs) I made this morning an amazing uh, dairy-free, sugar-free hot cocoa. And I did it with, yeah, I did it with like, um, stevia and regular cocoa and almond milk. And they make this coffee creamer now that's basically like just powder coconut crystals. So I just got in there and got busy mixing and tasting and I can't even give you a recipe. It's, you know, hot off the presses, but, (laughs) um, but I like creating things that have never been created before. I love smoothies. I'm not a great cook but I can whip anything into submission in a blender and
0: make (laughs) it healthy. And those are my favorite type of breakfast beverages. Love that. Love that. Mm -hmm. So what is your favorite hymn or your favorite worship song? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Or you can say one of each.
1: So, um, okay, right now I, well, first of all, anything my children write, my children write worship songs like crazy. And one of the ones that my son is uh, laying down a track to this morning, something he just wrote. I just have amazing worship leading kids. Oh. Um, but there is a song out right now, and it is sung by Carrie Jovania's Elevation
0: Worship called The Blessing. Oh, The Blessing.
1: Oh. I mean, I love I'm that. About, you know, on your children and their children and their children and their children. Mm. Their children so there's that. But my favorite hymn, and I did grow up with the hymns. So did I. I, I, I love how great thou art. Yes. Um, I love turn your eyes upon Jesus.
0: I was singing that this morning. Earth will
1: will grow strangely dim. Yes. Those those are the tear jerkers. I can be anywhere and start singing one of those. And I am, you know, 10 years old again in my baptism. Just just How great thou art. Praising the Lord in a way that, you know, even though I praise him differently now than I did then, it's like he, when I hear those hymns now, I am taken back to that place of childhood faith. I think the world
0: says the same. I think we all think that way. Yes. So who is the most influential person in your life? Would you say? Wow. Um, My mother. That's what I thought you would say. I'm so much
1: like her. And yet we are so different. Really? And I are alike, but. We're like in all kinds of ways, and we share clothes and shoes and all that kind of stuff. My mother is very different personality. Um, she is highly admin. I get that from her, but I get my entrepreneurship from my father. So okay. Her, different on her, the admin looks different on her. Um, she can get anything done and nothing flat. So she really trained me to accomplish many things at once. My life would not work had I, had I been another person's daughter. Oh, wow. I mean, I, my mother, I really do give her honor for, for all the things that she put into me just in finishing a job, staying organized, keeping on top of it, you know, those
0: type things like that all came from her. It's all her. And it's been passed down to your daughter, Genesis. I can we see that. All
1: kids. I do not have an unorganized kid that I'm just in That's thinking great. about it. Yeah. And we also have, um, we have six entrepreneurial kids, which is really something we only realized in the last year is Genesis is like she is up and coming and she has her own great ideas and who knows where she's she, gonna go. Yes. But I'm just saying like I see seeds and you know my husband is um he's also the youngest of three. His parents also divorced when he was five or six. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean so identical story we both have an older brother and sister. It's just uncanny. Mm-hmm. And he is his father's, his parents' only entrepreneurial child, you know, at present. I am my only parent's entrepreneurial child. Somehow these two entrepreneurs have birthed six six idea people. Right. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just such a beautiful season. We've got our 12th grandchild on the way. Aww. And I don't know. I just feel blessed every day. There's this little saying I say to each of my kids. And I didn't start saying it until I became a grandmother. Um, But I'll just whisper in their ear and I'll just say, you make me happy every day, you know? And so on the days when maybe you're not quite so happy or something hasn't quite gone as well, if you have planted yourself in people, if you have sown into people that they can make you happy every day, you can be happy every single day. Right. That's, that's why we have to keep this about relationship and not about religion. Um, is because we are all in
0: this together and we Amen. have got to stay as a family to encourage one another. Right. Amen to that. Okay. This is my last question. Who is your favorite God girl? It doesn't have to be someone, you know, but you know, a lot of people. <laughs> I've really been blessed to be able to know a lot
1: of my favorite God girls, um, <laughs> I tell you honestly um can can does she have to be alive? No. Okay. No. no. <laughs> um this last week on Wednesday night we were at church. And our church is not a massive church. It's not a mega church. I love big everything. but It is not a big church. <laughs> but the Lord told me that our church was like Mary that had spilled the oil out over Jesus's feet and sopped it up with her hair, oh. you know? And I just thought, man, I am like all Martha all the way I am always going and doing and going and doing, but that Mary part of my heart. Cause I am, I am uh, at my core, a worshiper and you can spot me in any crowd, you know, I'm jumping the highest and whatever, mm-hmm. but, but the idea he's getting at there is the heart, the heart. And he said, this, this church is like Mary loves me the way Mary loved me. Two days later, I hear something uh, drop. We have concrete floors in our house. I hear something drop in the bathroom behind me. And I was I hear My husband go, Oh, I said, what? He said, I just spilled a bottle of oil. And I go in there and the whole room smells like frankincense and myrrh. And it was one of those bottled of anointing oils. Okay. Not- my bottles of oil. It's it smelled like, you know, church oil. <laughs> church oil. <laughs> I thought about that word he had given me. And so I think when I get to heaven, the God girl that I want to make a beeline to is that Mary, oh. um, who just left it all on the field. I think she knew that we were about to lose Jesus. I think in her heart she knew she didn't ever want to leave without him. And of course we know she was preparing his body even um, um that oil she poured out on him. But you know, she she gave everything. Yes. That's like more than a year's wages. I don't even know how she got it. Right. She gave everything, and I I want to be her, and I want to be that aroma mm. when someone walks into a room, and and I want to be broken and spilled out, and everybody to know it. Wow. Uh, I think that is never been asked that, but I think that's my favorite God. Oh
0: my gosh. My heart is full. (laughs) This has been amazing, Laura, this time together. And I know you have been a blessing to so many, including me. And, um, I just thank you for this time. I know you're so busy, but wow, what a way to end this interview. (laughs) (laughs) We're both kind of a puddle here. Um, I know. Well, nobody's
1: ever asked me that, but it's, wow,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have you here today.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening in. It's always great to have you join us. And I love hearing the stories of women who are serving God with contagious joy. I hope that inspires you to do the same. Please visit us at godgirlnation.com. And also, if you'd like to join our community, you can go to the God Girl Nation community Facebook group and request to join. we love to have you in our community. Uh, thanks so much. And remember, in our homes and our community and in our world. We are living the God girl life. What a great life it is. God bless you all.